the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a privilege. I'm honored. Today is Monday, May the 11th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today, 1960, Israeli agents captured Nazi Adolf Eichmann. He was hiding out in Argentina. A lot of those guys went to Argentina when they were... In fact, there was theories out there that that uh, Hitler himself was down there, that he didn't really commit suicide in his bunker. But a lot of them went to, uh, a lot of the Germans, the elite and, and the folks, went to Argentina during uh, following World War II. Today in 1812, John Bellingham, he assassinated British Prime Minister Spencer uh, Percival, in the House of Commons lobby. It was the only time a prime minister was ever assassinated in the history of, uh, of England. Today, in 1894, the Pullman strike began. That was a, a, a big strike. It shut down trains coming in and out of Chicago for days, if not weeks. A lot of bloodshed. People were killed during that strike. It was a union strike over wages, and it, it got out of control for sure. Today, in 1858, Minnesota became the 32nd state in the United States. Today, in 1949, if you care, Siam changed its name to Thailand. Today, in 1973, charges against Daniel Ellsberg for his role in the Pentagon Papers. It was dismissed. Today, in 1997, IBM's supercomputer, Deep Blue, remember that? Deep Blue, the computer, defeated Gary Kasparov, who was the reigning world champion in chess, in a six-game chess match. Blue won two, he won one, and three of the games were tied. Today, in 1998, India tested atomic weapons. And today, in 2003, 91% of Lithuanian voters opted to join the uh, European Union. First former Soviet nation to do that. The reason, they said, that 91% of them voted to join the European Union was they felt more secure with socialism than they did with communism. Very interesting concept, but that's not unheard of. We find ourselves living in a world with some strange concepts, I'll tell you. Socialism is not freeing. It leads people into bondage, dependence upon a state, the state. I was thinking about all that's going on in our world today, and a verse in Deuteronomy came to me. I want to share it with you. Chapter 33, verse 27. The eternal God is thy refuge. Underneath are the everlasting arms, and he shall thrust out the enemy from before you and shall say, destroy them. There are so many verses in the Bible, I don't know how many, I'm sure someone has counted them, that assure us that God <clears throat> is with us, that God is aware of what we're going through, our, our difficulties, our circumstances, 
and that he cares. There's so many philosophies that say, well, there there is a God, but he's removed. And some even say, well, he created, <clears throat> excuse me, everything that exists. And and then he kind of removed himself and all, it just runs, you know, according to uh, the way it was set up in the first place. And then, of course, there are those who say there is no God, you know, things evolved and happened in its precise <clears throat> pattern in the whole universe and all that. I don't know how anybody can believe that, but there are those who do. But there are those who believe there is a God, but he's somehow removed. He created and then he removed himself. And we're just, you know, left to our own devices and chance <clears throat> and some principles that are will lead and guide us and help us through the maze of life. But the Bible doesn't say that at all. The Bible says that God is very much involved in our lives. And it's not arrogance to say that he cares about me. It's simply embracing the truth, because he does. God is a God of individuals, not of the masses. Jesus Christ didn't die for the masses. Stay with me. On the cross, he died for you and for me and for every single person that exists on earth, ever. That's what biblical Christianity is all about. It's personal. It isn't just a religion or a form of thinking or an ideology. It's a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that's what makes Christianity really not even a religion, but it makes it different than all the other religions of the world. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to do that today. Acknowledge that he is indeed the Son of God, that he died for your sins, and he rose from the dead on the third day so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. He will set you free from the fear and the sin and the ultimate consequences of sin, which is eternity in hell. He'll set you free from that, and you can have you can have a, a future that you know it's going to be with God in heaven. And you can have peace and the assurance that God is with you in this life. I really encourage you to do that. If you haven't done it, I'm not sure why, but whatever reason has kept you from doing that, I would put that aside. These are not days to go it on your own. <laughs> These are days we need the Lord. And we need him to be close, and we need to be recognizing him in our lives. And it starts through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Seattle Times has a feature story out there this morning. It's talking about a number of things, but they're all it's all tied to public mass transit. Bus cuts, delayed projects, rider fear, coronavirus will bring years of pain for transit. It says just, I'm going to read the first line. We're not going to go deep into this. The pandemic threatens to undo years of transit growth, undermine public confidence in taking crowded buses, and plunge local transit systems into a financial setback. Worse, <coughs> excuse me, that last drink of coffee should not have happened just before I said good morning. It just didn't play right. I was trying to hurry up. Ought not to do that. I apologize for that. But anyway, the Seattle Times says that it will plunge local transit systems into financial setback worse than the Great Recession. Our transit act activists plainly are, are saying, or one transit act activist is plainly saying, the Seattle Times says, I absolutely see disaster 
on the horizon. Well, what disaster means to these folks, just trust me on this, is that the goal of progressivism is to get everybody on mass transit and get rid of cars. You could walk, you can ride a bicycle, and you can ride mass transit. That means you get on where they tell you you can get on, and you get off where they say you should get off. And you and you build, truly, you build your life around mass transit. And ironically, and this is this is borne out by fact, the people who pay for mass transit generally don't use mass transit. The people who make the greatest contribution through their taxes to mass transit are generally not the ones that are riding on mass transit. So if it's charity, they don't call it that, of course, but if it's charity, then why don't we get to choose where our charitable gifts go? Well, that's different. Well, it's not different. It's enforced giving. It's enforced charity. So many taxes are that way. That's what that's about. And there will, there's going to be consequences following this coronavirus pandemic that we're going through. There will be. It'll linger. It's not going to go away overnight. I mean, it's not going to return. I wish it would, but it's not going to. But I don't say that with any pessimism. I'm just saying, I mean, we can see that. Even I can see that. But that's the world we live in today. So we just have to look at it again through the lens of God's word. And that's what we try to do every day on this program is look at what's going on in our world through the lens, through the view of God's word, God's holy word, the Bible. I got this email last night. It says, hi, Gary. I just started listening to you a few weeks ago, and I must say that I agree with your positions on where our country's headed. Let me just say that recently I have also come to a conclusion regarding many of our fellow Americans that the most dangerous people, this is a quote, the most dangerous people in our country are the willfully uninformed voters. They either can't recognize the truth when they see it or they don't want to. There's many people in America who are against Trump for reasons that they would be hard-pressed to explain. Thanks for being there for us. Well, thank you. And thank you for your contribution. And to all of you, thank you. We are trying to make sense and just cut through the all of the, there's just so much noise out there today. And we're trying to cut through that and look at what's going on in our world through, again, the lens of God's word. Because things look differently when we look at it through God's eyes, through God's word. Thank you for supporting us. These are, are difficult times. They're challenging times for all of us. And I want to thank you to all of you who stand with us and are standing with us. And if you have not joined up with us, if you're not supporting us and you believe in what we're doing, if you don't believe in this and you you don't agree, then don't just don't worry about it. But if you agree with what we're doing and you feel in your heart you would like to be a part of it and help make it happen, I would encourage you to do so. This would be a great time for you to come on board and write a check. We need we need you. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Tara Reed has become kind of a well-known person. 
as of late. She's the lady who who said that uh, Joe Biden, Senator Joe Biden, some years ago, was very inappropriate with her. He sexually assaulted her, as a matter of fact. It's been in the news. Most everybody knows the name. I wrote an article today, and I want to talk to you a little bit about what's in that and then some other things as well. But I titled it, it's on our website, faithandfreedom.us. I titled it, Sacrificing Tara Reid. I don't know if she's telling the truth or not. I don't know her. I don't know Joe Biden, really. I know more about Joe Biden than her. Of course, we all do. But well-known author and speaker and women's rights activist, Linda Hirschman, she's a speaker. She's a, you know, a leader and little girls follow her and they believe her and women follow her and old women teeter along behind her. I mean, she's a person of influence. She's an influencer, as we say. She wrote in the New York Times over the week, actually it was the end of last week. She said, let's be clear. I believe Tara Reid. I believed Anita Hill, too. What's the constant here? I'm quoting her. Joe Biden, the bumbling head of the Senate Judiciary Committee during the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearings, now the presumptive Democrat presidential nominee. But I'm voting for Joe Biden anyway. Well, that caught my attention because that's not typically what you hear from the left. So I read it, and let me share a few thoughts with you from that article. The New York Times published it, of course. She wrote it. But writing in the New York Times, Hirschman, her latest book that was just published is titled Reckoning, The Epic Battle Against Sex Abuse and Harassment. She's advocating that Tara Reid, the most recent woman accuser of Joe Biden's inappropriate conduct, and there's a long list of it, we've seen the pictures, It's creepy, as far as I'm concerned. But Tara Reid seems to be kind of being queued up as the sacrifice for the greater good. And again, I wouldn't bother with what Hirschman thinks if she didn't have a lot of influence, and she does. She said, I believe Tara Reid, but I'm voting for Joe Biden anyway. Well, a lot of people are believing Tara Reid. In fact, Rasmussen put out a, a survey last week, and they found that 34% of likely U.S. voters believe Tara Reid over Joe Biden. Only 24% think that Joe Biden's telling the truth, and then all the rest of them, the, the numbers in between, are people who don't know what they think. They're thinking about it. So most people aren't just saying, well, no, he would. Joe Biden would never do that, because he has a history of just being weird around women. I mean, he is. You've seen the pictures. A lot of people are feeling that way. But unlike those seeking to ruin Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh, Tara's a Democrat, not from the opposing political party, and she's still loyal to the Democratic Party. She says she is. Her friends say she is. She worked for Biden, and she's told people about what happened when She was told to take Senator Biden's gym bag down to the basement of the Capitol. And then stuff happened down there and he inappropriately treated her. She remembers it vividly. Unlike Blasey Ford, who was trying to unseat Brett Kavanaugh, she couldn't remember hardly anything. It was real. And the people that she named said, "I, I don't remember that. Nobody remembered it. 
This in this case, Tara Reed's mother even called Larry King live show at the time. Didn't mention her or his name, Biden's name, but she described what had happened in detail. She said, "What does the mom do?" I saw the video. Larry King looked like, "Wow, I don't want to, I don't want to get involved in that." But Hirschman writes, discounting Ms. Reed's accusation and one after another denigrating her cooperating witnesses, calling for endless new evidence, avowing that you hear her is nonsense. Nonsense? Yeah. She says, we are now up to four cooperating witnesses, including one contemporary cooperating witness unearthed by Rich McHugh. He was the Ronan Farrow's producer at NBC News. And he's the guy that did a lot of work on um, Harvey Weinstein. And uh, we kind of remember that story if you pay attention. But uh, Farrow did a lot of reporting on the Me Too thing as well. A liberal, for sure, not a conservative. But uh, Hirschman recounts all that, and she said, plus the Larry King live tape. So she says this, and this is what's important. It's what I wanted to get to for a moment today. She said, so stop playing gotcha with the female supporters of Mr. Biden or the Me Too movement. Hashtag Me Too movement. Making them lie to the camera or perhaps to themselves about doubting her to justify their votes. Hirschman says, I'll take one for the team. I'm quoting her. I believe Miss Reed and I'll vote for Mr. Biden this fall. She then proceeds to give a full resume of her own personal integrity, her own personal moral superiority, noting that feminist lawyer Gloria Steinem, she threw Monica Lewinsky under the bus to justify her and others <clears throat> voting for, for Bill Clinton. But Mrs. Hirschman supported Lewinsky and supported Clinton. She said, that is the high ground. In other words, she said, I, I created the high ground. I defined the high ground back with the Clinton-Monica Lewinsky deal. And Steinem and other well-known feminists, they tried to justify, they had to throw Monica Lewinsky under the bus in order to support Bill Clinton. But now Hirschman is saying, we don't have to do that anymore, and I'm teaching you a better way. I have come that you might have peace in your heart, so to speak, is what she's saying. So you go ahead and just say, sure, Joe Biden probably did what Miss Reed is saying she did. He did. He touched her. He was inappropriate. Terrible. We don't believe in that. That's awful. But we're going to vote for Joe Biden because the end justifies the means. This is the new evolved virtue of the left. And if we don't know this and understand this, it is easy to be sucked into that. You say, Gary, I would never be pulled into that kind of thinking. I would never be deceived by that. Well, the Bible warns us about that. But you know, I know that between six and seven million evangelicals voted for Barack Obama, and he is the banner carrier, and still is, for the left, and the Democrat Party in particular. But I also know, I also know that many of those six to seven million evangelicals, self-described evangelicals, carry their Bible, go to a church, worship the Lord, 
and vote for people that advance this kind of an agenda. I don't know how that works. I don't know what the thought process is, but I will tell you, it isn't biblical. We may deceive ourselves and we may delude ourselves to think it's biblical. Now, Hirschman is not making the case. She's not suggesting that what she believes is biblical. She's suggesting that it's evolved. It's like more enlightened than Gloria Steinem and some of these other leaders were and are. But I will tell you, it is very difficult to take that step from having a biblical worldview. And yes, it applies to everything in our lives, not just politics, but it does apply to politics. And that's why pastors have got to speak to these issues. They've got to, and they won't. So many of them. And I know there's pastors listening to this program because I've heard from you, and I'm glad you're listening. Thank you. And to those of you who agree and and see that you have great influence, God has given you influence. We've got to speak the truth into the darkness, or we will continue stumbling along, slouching toward Gomorrah. I mean, what's a matter with speaking the truth? Well, I'll tell you. It's a controversial. It's not received by all. Well, welcome to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself was not received by all. In fact, it was the deception of the religious community that took him to the cross. Yes, it was God's will. And yes, he came to die, to be resurrected for our sins. But looking at it purely from the human side of it, and God did become man when he became flesh. God, man. That's Jesus Christ. Never happened before in history, never will happen again. Others will claim to be. They're coming. Probably some exist in certain parts of the world today, but there is a time coming. The Bible warns us about that when someone will come and make himself as God. And many in the world will believe, will believe that he is. But as we look at this just from the human side of it, why, why do, how do we get drawn into that if we know what the Bible says? I don't know. But I know that Satan is very deceptive because it was the religious leaders, Caiaphas and his gang, that felt threatened. They pushed the Roman. I'm not absolving the Roman. I mean, they had, they did it. If you're looking for guilt, if it's a trial and it's neither, I'm not looking for guilt and I'm not trying the Romans that lived 2,000 years ago, but I'm simply saying that that was the environment around the killing of Jesus. They didn't see themselves as killing Jesus. They saw themselves as ridding someone who was a real problem to them, and including the Romans, but particularly the religious people. Caiaphas felt very threatened by Jesus himself, and so he had to figure out how to get rid of Jesus in order for him to carry on with his religious, his religious activities. Put in just stark contrast with the lights on, that sounds weird, doesn't it? I mean, I want to get rid of Jesus so I can carry on with my religious activities. But yet that's what's happening in our world today. People are claiming to be Christian. They're carrying Bibles. Some of them carry great big Bibles or they're carrying their device. And they've got everything on there. Everybody from, you know, from whomever to whomever and all the scripture to boot. It's all there. And yet they are drawn into this. They not only agree with this whole mindset, this whole worldview, but they agree with what they're doing. 
And they go along with it. And this is what this woman is advocating in the New York Times. She said, look, Miss Reed is telling the truth. Joe Biden did terrible things to her. But I'm going to vote for him anyway because the end justifies the means. We've got, we've got to bring down. Well, what is the end? Well, it's to get rid of Trump. Of course. I mean, what could be a greater goal, a greater mission, a greater, a, a greater commitment than getting rid of Trump? And you could ask any Democrat, really, politician, well, what, what do you have in mind for the world? How are you going to make things better? Nobody's even asking that. But if they did, they would probably pause and say, uh, and then they would say, well, we have to, we have to address the existential threat of climate change, climate crisis, or whatever. We have to extend abortion because women are dying out here and they, they're bringing babies into the world that they can't... I mean, if we just rip away all of the trappings and look at the truth, does that feel right? If you're looking at it through a biblical worldview? No, it doesn't. Humanist philosophers have been pushing this for a long time, long before Hirschman came on the scene or anybody else, Steinem or anybody else, Hillary Clinton, whomever. David Humes was teaching this centuries ago, years ago. Developed the notion. It was taught in the classroom. He taught that no one could be expected to behave justly if trying to survive a shipwreck. In other words, if there's crisis in the community, if there's crisis in the culture, then whatever you do is justified and it's okay. In more recent times, John Rawls, and you may have come across that name in, in, in school, particularly in college or university, but he developed the idea that, that he called moderate, moderate scarcity or absence of extreme scarcity. That's one of the so-called circumstances of justice. In other words, justice change changes depending on your circumstances. That's called relativism. That's exactly what the Bible came to shine the light on and to do away with. Jesus Christ dying on a cross outside the city gates was about doing away with relativism because Caiaphas was a relativist. He said, I love my religion. I want my religion. I want to look forward to the Messiah coming. We've got to get rid of this Jesus. He's disrupting everything we believe in. That's the problem. Jesus was the shipwreck. And whatever they had to do to save themselves from this shipwreck was okay. It was justified. That's what's happening in our world today. That's what's going on right now. A group of activists, leaders, politicians, educators in America are pushing this kind of thing. Same-sex marriage, abortion, I mean, you, you know the list. We talk about it all the time here. She's not isolated voice in the wilderness. Millions of Americans are buying into this stuff. Speaking of shipwrecks, book six of Plato's Republic is about a ship with a dysfunctional crew who all want to be the captain because they believe the captain is incapable. Read it. You can read it. It's online or you can buy it. While they fight for the captain's chair, Plato's Republic, while they fight in the captain's chair, it becomes apparent that they are the fools, the cave dwellers who cannot see the light. It's an amazing story. James 1.8 says, He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. That pretty much defines where we are today in our world. But praise God. We have his word, we have his truth, and the word of God never changes. 
nor does God himself. You can count on that. You can build your life on the rock. Well, we'll continue this conversation right here tomorrow. Thank you for being with me. I'll see you tomorrow.